from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. You know that the Democrats have a narrow majority in the House and in the Senate. That means that you have to keep everybody happy. And they're trying to figure that out behind closed doors right now, uh, see if they could arrive at a compromise. But uh, it's not going to get interesting for markets until they get a better sense of what's actually going on. This negotiation is going to be fascinating to watch because the moderates are really holding their ground. It'll, it'll impact virtually everybody, right? I mean, because we're talking about taxes, big time spending and big time tax increases. We're still watching, but we're not probably not going to get any breakthroughs this week. We'll see. Welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for this week with Barry Gilbert. Uh, filling in for Ryan Dietrich this week, who was off enjoying his anniversary vacation. So Ryan, we miss you. I hope you're having fun. Uh, we will uh, try to put on as good a show as possible for uh, all of you today. Barry, welcome to uh, the show. How are you today? I'm doing well, Jeff, and it's great to be here joining you. I can't uh, substitute in for, for Ryan. He is inimitable, but I will do my best. Beautiful. Well, here's what we got action-packed today. Uh, we're going to start um, by uh, saying goodbye to a great American. I'm sure all of you listening know who that is. Uh, well, as we always do, we'll just give a quick stock market update and then move into the, you know, the bulk of the content here for today. Three topics. Number one, earnings season just got underway last week. So far, so good. But we are seeing signs it's not quite going to be as good as it's been uh, the last couple quarters. Uh, next, we're going to talk about consumers, uh, which consumer spending is holding up pretty well considering the challenges. So we'll talk about the retail sales numbers we got last week. Uh, and then lastly, uh, given Barry's title as the LPL Research Asset Allocation Strategist, we are going to play Stump the Asset Allocation Strategist. Say that 10 times fast. So um, we'll, uh, we'll ask Barry some tough questions and I'm sure he'll give us good answers. So um, let, let's start on a, on a somber note. Uh, Barry, we lost a great American yesterday. Colin Powell, um, you know, th this one hit home for me um, because I've seen him speak so many times. We were privileged to have uh, General Powell speak at the uh, LPL Focus National Conference a number of times, including last year, actually, and um, really, really uh, inspiring. So uh, he will no doubt uh, be missed. I think there's something that politicians on both sides of the aisle can can agree on. Really a great, great guy um, and uh, really inspiring, dedicated his life to public service. Uh, he'll be missed. Do you have any thoughts, Barry? What what struck you when you first heard, heard the news other than the obvious sadness? Yeah, a pretty extraordinary person. Uh, I love his 13 leadership principles. You, you can Google it. Uh, you know, that's inspiring. Uh, my favorite is the, the 13th, I think is last potentially to highlight it. Uh, perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Uh, and there's somebody who knew about force multipliers as a leader uh, within our armed services. So great quote, uh, 13 principles of leadership from Colin Powell. Give it a look, uh, it is inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I looked at those uh, yesterday too, Barry. Um, you know, one, it ain't as bad as you think. Just wake up the next morning uh, and things will be better. There's the perpetual optimist that he was. Uh, get mad and then get over it. I think those are certainly 
uh, words we can all live by. Um, share credit. That's certainly something that we on our team here uh, in the LPL Research Department try to do every day. Uh, no doubt. Uh, a, a very positive message, I think. So those are some, but yeah, I'd encourage uh, all of you to look at those 13 principles. They're, um, they're really good. So Colin Powell, we'll, we'll miss you. And, uh, and thank you for all you did for this country. So moving on, um, there's no good transition from that. Um, so let's go to the um, quick stock market outlook, Barry. So we had, um, you know, the 5% pullback and, and rallied right back again. Now we're less than 1% from the all-time high, I believe, as we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Really a, a nice bounce back. The latest rally, I think, has been probably driven more by earnings optimism than anything else. Uh, we bounced uh, back above the 50-day moving average. We're in the positive seasonal time of the year. Things are set up pretty well here for uh, another rally. What do you think? I think things are well set up. Uh Earnings is the basic driver of the stock market. That's the most important thing. And uh, we've had just an absolutely incredible earnings story uh, in the earnings season just launched. And when you see earnings driving the market, uh, those are the right things being lined up. So pay attention to the earnings story. Uh, it just started uh, earnings season and it's gonna continue to evolve, but so far so good. That's, that's really your area, Jeff. Uh, what have we gotten from earnings season so far? Yeah, it's off to um, a good start, probably a little better than I expected. Um, we'll get more into that um, a little bit later on the on the podcast. But um, yeah, so far I've been impressed. I guess the one watch out is we've had a lot of financials and those are the companies that aren't really uh, as impacted by the supply chain disruptions. They're a little bit impacted by the wage pressure, but um, you know, to really get a good feel for the impact of the supply chain disruptions and materials shortages and all that. We need to hear from companies in other sectors. So that, that'll be a key to watch. Uh, so let's let's move on. Um, you know, pretty positive near-term stock market outlook. Talk about the consumer, Barry. So got retail sales last week and they were really good relative to expectations. You know, that, that blue bar, for those of you watching on uh, YouTube, the blue bar doesn't look like it's up much, but um, it was about a one percentage point upside surprise versus economists' consensus expectations. That, that's a big upside surprise. Um, now, you know, there's a lot of challenges facing consumers right now. We, you know, we all know most of them are COVID-related, right? Um, you know, a lot of jobs are hard to fill and a lot of goods are tough to get. And that makes it tough for retailers to actually, you know, fill the orders uh, that they've got. So that was a headwind. Uh, and then you still got shoppers, some at least shoppers, a little bit concerned about uh, the COVID environment, which is still affecting uh, consumer behavior. Despite those challenges, to see this strong month-over-month uh, -month gain in retail sales was really encouraging. Uh, thoughts on that, Barry? Yeah, this, this tells us that there's still strong demand out there. We, we know that we have supply chain challenges. We know that they're weighing on the economy. Um, but as those resolve themselves, is the demand going to be there? Uh, and at least when you look at the picture from the Ameri perspective of the American consumer, uh, the answer seems to be yes. There was rotation in spending from services to, to goods uh, with COVID. Uh, that means service spending levels are still low. Those are going to come back as the environment comes back. 
the demand is there. Uh, savings are, are, are fairly strong right now overall. It's a good picture from consumers. Consumers drive, uh, depending on how you look at it, two-thirds, 70% uh, of the U.S. economy. So found this encouraging. Yeah, we're, we're not going to see the same kind of consumer spending growth that we saw in the second quarter. You know, the economy has slowed quite a bit, largely because of Delta. Uh, but consumers are still in great shape, agree 100%. With all those savings, you know, stock portfolios are up, housing prices are up, um, the wealth effect is certainly helping. Uh, all that savings that you mentioned, Barry. So we, we think the outlook is, is quite positive for consumer spending over the next couple of quarters, uh, no doubt. And that's, as you mentioned, big, big driver of the economy. So positive story there, uh, which should help uh, support uh, the economy and stock market. Actually, one last thing on consumers. I, I noticed the um, you know, there's something called the financial obligations ratio, which compares um, debt service costs to discretionary income. So basically, uh, you know, how easy is it for consumers to pay their debts? And, and that measure is essentially at a 40-year low. In other words, consumers... Uh, incomes are covering their debt at the highest ratio in about 40 years. It's really um, tremendous and just points to uh, how good a shape consumers are in right now. Um, so um, let's go to earnings. I, I kind of gave a sneak uh, preview there, um, but let's let's dig in a little bit deeper. So we expect a really strong earnings season in terms of growth. But as you can see on this chart, uh, for those watching, going to be a lot slower than last quarter. Well, why is that? It's because uh, we have much easier, we had uh, easier comparisons last quarter, right? You're comparing to Q2 2020 last quarter, which was when the lockdowns were. This quarter, we're comparing to Q3 2020, which was certainly uh, a quarter that saw a lot more economic activity and a lot more in terms of corporate revenues and profits. So don't pay too much attention to the, how big that slowdown is. Right, we're probably looking at slowing from 90% growth to 35, maybe a little better, maybe high 30s. Uh, but that is still uh, really strong growth. So that's really, I think, the first key point to keep in mind. This is a strong gain in earnings. Company's still in good shape. Now, because the supply chain disruptions are intensifying, uh, and frankly, you know, these labor shortages and material shortages are really throwing a lot of uh, kind of wrenches at, um, uh, at corporate America. We're probably not going to see as much upside as we saw the last couple of quarters. So coming into the last couple of quarters, we saw about you know, 25% upside. Um, you know, maybe we get 10% upside this quarter, but that's probably um, as, as good as it's going to get. That 10% upside would put us in the high 30s. Um, we haven't seen estimates rise as much. We've seen more negative pre-announcements. It's still a positive story. We're still get, hearing more good things than bad things, but the ratio uh, of those pre-announcements has weakened a little bit over the last couple of quarters. And that, that suggests uh, less, uh, less upside. So, you know, that's what we what we see. Um, you know, we're only about um, 10% in terms of the number of companies that have reported. Uh, and we're seeing good beat rates, right around 80%. Uh, we're seeing nice upside surprises, but again, it's mostly come from financials 
uh, which don't face quite as many challenges <clears throat> as traditional companies. So what are we watching? Um, first, how long will these supply chain issues last? We're going to be listening closely for to hear from companies about uh, their thoughts on that. I mean, we've heard from another, a number of companies how difficult the environment is. Procter & Gamble was the latest this morning, trying to raise prices to offset the higher costs. It's not easy. Um, you know, other companies that have expressed uh, concern, Sherwin-Williams, Nike, FedEx, I mean, companies across a variety of sectors, there's certainly others struggling uh, with these supply chain issues. It's probably the number one issue for corporate America. Uh, number two, outlook for wage increases. This concerns us a little bit. Probably be a bigger problem in a quarter or two than it is right now. But wages are up uh, solidly year over year, and that probably will continue because if you can't fill a job, tend to pay more to attract talent. That is going to eat into corporate profit margins, and we may see a little bit of a uh, margin compression in uh, Q3 uh, relative to Q2. Uh, and the last thing, you know, because we're going to probably see uh, smaller upside surprises, it makes sense uh, that stocks would not react as positively uh, to upside surprises. We're already seeing that. Uh, actually, if you look at the companies that have beaten estimates so far, those stocks are only up about 1%, which is not much. That's fairly typical, but not much when you compare it to how much the stocks that miss earnings are being punished. They're down about 4 to 5% on average uh, so far. That's a little bit bigger of a negative reaction than we typically see. So uh, there's another kind of piece of evidence that this is just a trickier quarter. And, um, you know, investors are a little bit more on edge. So um, I guess with that, let me turn back to Barry and see if you have any questions or concerns or that I didn't mention, Barry, about earnings season or, or just any thoughts in general. Yeah, I think one of the, the keys with wage increases uh, is going to be whether productivity can increase. Uh, if people's wages are higher, but at the same time, uh, they're growing more productive because they have access to more or better technology, uh, it can offset some of those wage increases. So concerns about that pressure, certainly, uh, but also want to see what's going to be happening on the productivity side. Productivity is so important in containing inflation. Uh, it's generally helped, I would say, during the pandemic. but. Um, that task is getting um, certainly tougher with the uh, labor shortages that, that we've seen, the increase in wages and the fact that we've already invested so much in technology, incremental gains uh, might be uh, tougher to achieve. So, so good call out there, Barry. Uh, so next is the part of this uh, podcast that, that Barry has been dreading for the past <laughs> oh, no. 24 hours since we figured out that we were going to use this, this format. Uh, we are going to play stump the asset allocation strategist and ask Barry three tough questions. I actually, Barry, I thought about not telling you what the questions are in, in advance to, to really make this tougher, but unfortunately you, you, you do know uh, what the questions are. You didn't have a lot of time to think about it though, because we just yep. came up with these last night. So there's still a risk that you get stumped. Uh, so let's uh, let's move on, and, and we'll ask these these three questions. So, uh, question number one: uh, Stocks have come a long way. Does it still make sense to overweight equities? What do you think? 
Yeah, I'd ask the people out there to think about that for themselves first. Uh, my guess is a lot of people said no. Uh, they thought about it in their own minds. And uh, historically, that's actually good for markets. Pessimism uh, about markets is a positive. Uh, and you do see uh, in sentiment right now that uh, there is pessimism out there right now for markets. The most dangerous time for markets is when people believe that markets can never go down and everybody's buying uh, because of fear of missing out. Uh, that's pretty solid support. You look at the outlook overall for the economy. Uh, we're facing some important headwinds, but the, the growth outlook is still above the trend that we were in in the last expansion. Uh, that supports, in particular, sales uh, for companies, which gives a little bit of a boost to, uh, to earnings growth as well. We already talked about the fact that for stocks, uh, earnings are really the most important fundamental. Um, you know, we did mention that there was a lot of technology uh, adoption. Might still have a, a little bit more room to run. Uh, there might be some benefits from that. Uh, we've seen the, the workplace flexibility. Companies have just gotten better at uh, running lean and running smarter uh, at the same time. It's a, a pretty incredible response. So uh, you talked about earnings season, a tougher earnings season, but still things that are supportive, uh, probably just overall economic growth as, as the first. Uh, as we said, with retail sales, demand is still out there. Uh, just a question of supply catching up. So uh, you take the overall sentiment, which leans negative right now, and that's actually positive for stocks. Uh, you look at the economic backdrop, which is still supportive. Uh, and even if the, econ uh, the earnings environment is growing more challenging, we do still think it's a good environment for stocks. Uh, and so we do think it still makes sense to overweight stocks. Throw in loan nest thing, uh, which is bonds. Uh, interest rates are low. That's good for stocks for two reasons. One, it means that their borrowing costs uh, are low uh, and they can invest more easily. Uh, the other one is it means that the expected returns for bonds are low and that makes stocks more attractive. Put those three things together and we think you have a pretty good picture for stocks. We're still overweight. I think you handled the first test uh, pretty well there. I, I think calling out bond yields at the end there was is, is a really important point for me uh, because even if stock returns going forward might be a little bit more modest, well, maybe a lot more modest <laughs> than what we've seen over the last 18 months, uh, that hurdle to clear to uh, outpace bonds is, is, is pretty low. So um, let's go to the second one. I didn't swap in a question you haven't seen. It is. Although this, I think, is probably the toughest question of the three. International equities are really cheap. Is it a good time to add exposure? Barry, international equities have been a value trap for quite some time, at least based on relative performance. Uh, frankly, in at least developed international markets have been very weak recently. So what do you think? Um, is, is now a good time to jump in? Yeah, let's take emerging markets first. I think that that one's a little bit easier for us. Uh, emerging markets now, just because of uh, the size of its market, fundamentally means China. Uh, you know, we still have concerns about the uh, arbitrary and, and heavy-handed uh, increase of regulation in China. Uh, and really, the, the challenge there is that it creates unknowns. It could happen at any time, uh, in any way. Uh, investors don't like unknowns. Uh, we already do see... Uh, do see it weighing on the economy in China, I believe. Uh, so there's a little bit of backing off at this point, but that, that remains an ongoing concern. Um, 
So we're shying away from emerging markets a, a little bit. We still like the overall growth pro prospects. It's not just China, um, but shying away from that direction. The harder decision uh, is the international developed equities and the US. Uh, we think that the picture for international is looking better. We still favor the US. Uh, we favor the US uh, because of uh, its emphasis on, um, on tech, which has allowed it to control margins as value improves. That is a little bit better for, for international, um, but uh, we've liked the flexibility that you see in the, in the US. Um, you know, we've also seen a strengthening dollar, which has favored the U.S. That's another trend that might reverse. So we're watching for things uh, for international to uh, to become more of a favorite. We're not there quite yet, um, but we're having active debates. We're having active discussions. Our view would still be overweight the U.S., underweight emerging markets, stay largely neutral uh, international developed because there are actually some good stories there. Uh, now, Jeff, you... You talk about international equities, uh, take a look at this regularly. What are, what are you seeing right now? Yeah, I, I think um, I think we've got to move past COVID globally. Uh, hopefully that happens soon. And But once we do and we can have a synchronized global economic expansion, then, um, you know, the rising tideless all boats, that may be when Europe and Japan start to perform as well or better than the U.S. So that's that's really the, the key for me. And I mean, you mentioned the dollar that can certainly help if we do see a reversal dollar has been very strong uh, recently dollar weakness combined with a coordinated um, global uh, economic expansion, I think could be a good recipe for uh, Europe and Japan, but unfortunately we're just not, uh, not quite there yet. So thanks for those thoughts, Barry. Let's go to the last one. Um, yeah, I guess this is probably just as tough as the international questions. <laughs> How do you get income from bond portfolios, right? Rates are very low. It's been very frustrating. Savers are being punished by, um, you know, the Fed's low rate policy, certainly, and market-based interest rates. Very, very low. It's so tough to get income. Uh, there's no panacea for this problem, Barry, um, but can you share some ideas with our listeners on, on maybe where to get uh, a little extra income right now? Now, if you want a little extra income, you have to take on a, a little bit of extra risk. Uh, and the key question is really, where should you be taking it? Um, so one opportunity that, that we see uh, to diversify a, a high quality bond portfolio uh, is to look at the, uh, the bond sector called bank loans. Um, you know, these tend to be floating rates, uh, so they're not as sensitive to interest rate uh, increases uh, they tend to be higher up in the capital structure. So uh, should they default, their uh, recovery rates tend to be better. Um, and uh, again, it's it's risky, right? It, it is a riskier asset class. We're no longer in the investment grade universe. Uh, but when we, look, when we look at the different options that we have, we think that that's one way to add a little bit. Um, you know, if you're looking at uh, a, a payoff for relatively low interest rate risk in the high quality universe, uh, we still like mortgage-backed securities. Um, so that's not necessarily gonna increase the overall income, but it's gonna increase the income for the amount of interest rate risk that you might be taking on. Interest rate risk, when uh, interest rates go up, stock prices, uh, sorry, bond prices go down. Interest rates up, bond prices down. And so the more interest rate sensitivity that you have in a portfolio, 
the more vulnerable you, you, you are to that, uh, both mortgage-backed securities and loans, they help insulate from that a little bit. Uh, so we think that those are two good options. Uh, keep the, uh, the loans position fairly light because it is risky, um, but it will add to the income. Yeah, we do think rates are going to gradually rise in the years ahead. And so, you know, at some point, um, those yields will start to look more attractive and it'll be a little bit easier. But we're certainly, you know, we've been struggling to find income for a decade, you know, probably going to continue to struggle, uh, you know, for the next couple of years. But um, rates probably still headed higher. It's just um, it's going to be a a slow grind. Uh, So thank you for um, for that last um, answer, Barry. We got we got through. Uh, the three questions. I don't think we stumped you. So um, nice job handling those. Certainly, these are a lot of questions we're getting from our, you know, nineteen thousand LPL advisors uh, regularly. Um, that yeah, these probably are. These might be the three most common <laughs> questions we've been getting uh, lately, other than questions about DC and the goings on there. Uh, so um, the uh, last thing we get just a couple minutes left. Um, it's just kind of preview the week. I mean, it's earnings, 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 right? We get 80 S&P 500 companies uh, in total this week and everybody, ourselves included, um, are gonna be looking for these supply chain uh, updates, right? I mean, we've, in fact, I saw a stat uh, the other day, I think Bloomberg was tracking the number of times the phrase supply chain was <laughs> was uttered in a, in a conference call and it was like, thousands already. I mean, just, uh, it, it's really all supply chain and, and wages. It's really all I think that people are going to be uh, focused on this earnings season because we, we we know that the demand picture is pretty good. Uh, so we'll be watching that closely. Uh, of course, we've got to continue to watch COVID trends. Um, and then DC negotiations. I mean, really, the, the economic calendar isn't that interesting this week. Um, even the DC situation is not that interesting because, you know, Barry, we just talked about this before we jumped on here. Um, it, it might just be uh, behind closed doors this week. And next week when the, uh, you know, the Halloween deadline approaches for the infrastructure package, that might be where it gets more interesting, right? Yep. Yep. Completely agree. Uh, we know that the Democrats have a narrow majority in the House and in the Senate. That means that you have to keep everybody happy, and that's tough in a, in a group of large people. And they're trying to figure that out behind closed doors right now, uh, see if they could arrive at a compromise. But uh, it's not going to get interesting for markets until they get a better sense of what's actually going on. This negotiation is going to be fascinating to watch because the moderates are really holding their ground, uh, and it has it'll it'll impact virtually everybody, right? I mean, because we're talking about, um, you know taxes, big time spending and big time tax increases. Uh, so um, we're still watching, but we're not probably not going to get any breakthroughs this week. We'll see. Um, but but keep keep DC on your on your radar. Uh, it's nice, though, that the economic calendar is quiet so we can focus on earnings because that no doubt is uh, what matters most this week. So I'm going to end the call. You know, we started on a somber note. Um, with some thoughts on uh, Colin Powell's passing. We end on a happier note, which is today is my daughter's birthday. So happy 10th birthday, Emily. Uh, looking forward to celebrating with you and family tonight on a, on a Zoom. Most of my family is, uh, actually all of my family is not in Boston. <laughs> so we do a lot of Zooms. Uh, so um, be fun. We actually had um, this local rescue zoo bring some animals over last weekend. 
and uh, Emily had some friends over, which was which was a lot of fun. You guys can ask me offline about some of the funny animal stories. Um, we we could have had an alligator and a snake. We chose not to do those. We did more of the cute, cuddly, furry type animals uh, for her party um, uh, over the weekend, which was which was a lot of fun. So um, so happy birthday, Emily! Happy number ten. Uh, I love you very much. So with that, um, thank you all of you for listening, uh, and thank you Barry for joining. Great great content today. Uh, we were able to pack a lot into a half an hour. Um, and Ryan, we missed you. We'll be back. Uh, it's probably going to be myself and Ryan uh, next week. But uh, the most important information you all need is that Ryan will be back. He does such a great job. So uh, looking forward looking forward to having Ryan back. So with that, thanks everybody for joining. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks for another, listening to another LPL Market Signals podcast. Uh, we will be back with you next week. We'll see you then. Thanks. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.